Greetings, everyone. This is Chief Yuya, and you are listening to the Chief Yuya podcast. I know it's been some time since you've heard, um, well, from me in this format, right? And it's been since uh, last year, in fact, to be honest. And, you know, um, to make sure that things always remain authentic and genuine, which is the only type of experience that... uh, I know that I am called to bring to you. I really only broadcast certain formats like the podcast or the video, so forth and so on, when I am led to, you know, or or there's something that really, really needs to be said. So uh, sometimes there may be a little gap in between the segments, but trust me, it's it's following a a, a flow. You know, even though it may not seem like it, it may seem a, or feel a bit sporadic. It's not. All right, and I trust that you all have been enjoying my YouTube channel, you know, at the same name, at Chief Yuya, you know, in between. But anyway, I want to speak about uh, something quickly with you all, and that is the phenomenon, the condition, in fact, of hoarding. And um, I know how random, right? <laughs> Some of you have figured out everything is already tied in. There's a reason why everything is is said and every subject is brought forth. But uh, hoarding, mm, I was about to say something else. (laughs) Hoarding, ding, hoarding is a is a condition that you know it's it's very similar to OCD. You know, obsessive compulsive disorder. In fact, uh, many people who are hoarders actually do have OCD. Or obsessive compulsive disorder And you know I, I know it's Especially with, with loved, one, loved ones It's often a very difficult Subject to broach because You know people become very defensive About what they hold on to And sometimes it can be Very difficult to discern and distinguish Between you know jokingly What we may consider someone to be As a pack rat And as a full out and out Hoarder you know, because um, we usually see, you know, some of the worst effects of it manifest when someone's maybe a bit older, you know, 50s, 60s and, and upward, you know, we because obviously they, they've had several decades to accumulate things, accumulate stuff. And um, when you really look at it or take a little bit of time to study what it is, you'll find that hoarding usually begins for a person around their their teenage years. Pre-teens and teens. That's when when it really usually will first manifest that hoarding spirit. And and a lot of times it just begins with, um, yeah, and this is something you have to take some time and, you know, look at your children or your nieces and your nephews, your loved ones. The accumulation of broken toys or the unwillingness to release or to dispose of things that are broken, toys and clothing items, sometimes even um, different, um, I, I, I want to say magazines, but I know magazines and comic books are not as um, popular as they want, you know, and what I'm saying is that paper mediums. You know, now most youth get those things uh, digitally. But um, there's ways that we even hoard digitally. You know, at one point it was okay to have a terabyte hard drive. 
more space than I'll ever need in my lifetime. You know, especially now that we're utilizing streaming services, it's not like I'm saving a bunch of movies and videos onto a hard drive. But now I need a two terabyte hard drive. I need a six terabyte hard drive and so forth and so on. Why? Because of all of the things that I am digitally hoarding. So it's important to be able to see the remanifestation, you know, of things as times change. And of course, uh, the way we do things and how we do things is also going to change. Right. So, um, I've seen some, some instances, and this is one of the reasons why I'm speaking to this. Uh, a lot of times what I'm called to do for people are home cleanses, you know, as, as a priest and doing the work that I, that I do, people call me to come in. Um, sometimes maybe they feel like there's a disruptive energy in their homes or it's just an issue and it needs to be cleaned and relinquished. You know, they, or, or they need to be freed from whatever obstacle maybe inside of this space that they can feel maybe they just feel a constriction there's a blockage you know uh things are not flowing in their lives as they should and there could have even been some form of traumatic event that occurred inside of their home space so they reach out to me and ask if you know they can they can have some some work done and a lot of times when i show up into people's space one of the first things i'll look at is how tidy the space is because that that says a lot and not even how tidy the space is but i'm also looking to see how hygienically cleaned and ordered the space is and many times not not every time but many times it's not right i look into the corners and i i see dust or i see a lot of cobwebs with dust on the cobwebs you know, um, and, and not to say that I go through a person, well, maybe I do go through a person's space like a drill sergeant with white gloves on. But all of those things are relevant, you know, and they're relative to the obstacles that a person experiences in their life. Right. So when we look at hoarding or we look at someone being a pack rat, obviously, as they get older and, and this, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's a show on a and E, I think called hoarders. I'm pretty sure. I think it's been on for some time now for years. Actually, I don't watch TV, but sometimes, um, when I travel, um, I will flick through channels and, and, you know, in the hotel rooms, that's pretty much how I get my TV updates, <laughs> you know, uh, through, through, you know, when, when I travel and, and I go to a hotel and I'll say, okay, what, what are people watching? You know, but, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's still on. Uh, last time I think I saw, I was out of the country, but I, I feel like it was an American episode. But anyway, so of course we see the phenomenon where people have accumulated so much stuff. Sometimes they can't even sleep in their own beds. They, they can't even get into their bedrooms. You know, so they have blankets on the floor that they sleep on or they have a chair that they have to sit in or they sleep outside in their car or whatever because they can't even make their way through their home space. Right. And so, of course, when it manifests in that way, it's it's maybe a, a bit more discernible because it's visible. We can see it. It's tangible. 
Um, and not only tangible, it highlights a certain dysfunction when it gets to that point and the person still will not release anything. They still will not throw anything away. You know, it reminds me of a situation once um, that I had to mitigate um, some years back with a young a young man and another person. Um, it was at a time when, you know, I was still involved in the public education arena. And there was a young man who was, um, he was, he was a member of what, what many of you would call a gang. And there was a little, there was an issue. I'm calling it little, but there was an, there was an issue with another set from, an, from another, another area. And, School was over, so it was just, you know, a little bit after three. And I was poking my head outside just to make sure everyone was moving to where they needed to be. And, uh, there was a, there was a bit of a commotion outside. So I came to see what it was. And there was a, a, a fully grown adult male. I'd have to say, um, he had to have been maybe in his, late 20s early 30s i'm gonna say and my student at the time was i'd say no older than uh, no older than 16 no maybe 15 16 years old and uh we had a very good relationship you know we had this was around the time right before tukey williams uh was executed and we used to sit and talk a lot about Tukey and about, um, you know, doing work, you know, and, and when I say work, doing community work and things like that. And that was something that he was very proud of being a part of that same family that Tukey Williams helped to, to originate and to establish. And he was most proud of the fact that, you know, one of his great leaders, had done something so positive in, in the form of, of community work and, and things like that. So we used to build on that a lot. You know, we, we would, he would come to my office and we, we'd sit and we'd talk about, you know, just, just doing the work. And, you know, my, my personal uh, hero was always Jim Brown, you know, and still is, you know, still is one of my, my, my role models, uh, in terms of doing work in the streets and, some of the phenomenal work that he was able to do out in, in California, you know, with the, with the sets out there. So, you know, I would tell him about Jim Brown and we, you know, we would go back and forth, you know, and, uh, you know, older man to younger man. So we, we get out there. Well, I get out there. I poke my head on and say, you know, let me see what's happening. And there's this adult male and he's, um, he's looking to, to challenge and fight my student and this was some some street street situation right so of course i'm not gonna let that happen so i you know i i i step forward and um you know he's holding this ground and you know at that point school safety could have been called you know i'm in i'm in an area where we basically have precincts inside the school but i don't i don't really deal with with that too tough um but you know, if you're near the camera and they see you, then they're going to come running, you know. Um, well, yeah, they'll call running and they're going to call, you know, um, polar ice. So 
you know, I, I said to him, I said, look, you know, um, this is school. This is school. You're on school grounds. You know, you pressing the door, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I'm trying not to embarrass him because I know what that turns into. And the next thing you know, he and I will be tussling, which I was already prepared for at that point anyway, you know, that I was going to have to subdue him um, because I, I'm not letting, you know, you're not touching. I'm not letting him touch one of the students and, you know, willfully it wouldn't extend outside of the school grounds, but it's definitely not going to happen, you know, in this space, this sacred, safe space. So, you know, um, I was able to diffuse the situation because once I came, once I came through and I got in his face and we're pretty much chest to chest at this point, practically pointing our fingers in each other's chest, uh, there were some other set members who lived, uh, always ringing, right? There were some other set members who lived in that area who I knew very well and they began to come, come. All right. So I'm sorry, I had to just take a moment to um uh do do the phone thing. <laughs> so yeah, so like I was saying, yeah, and then the other crew um, um they started to come. Well, a couple started to come because at, at that time I was you know pretty well known in that in that area, and I used to also teach a, a boxing class, you know there. And so, you know, I'm teaching boxing and just doing a little kickboxing as well. So, you know, so some of the some of the the individuals who were in some of these organizations, they used to come through for fighting lessons, you know, and we got cool because you know, some of them, you know, they try to be cool. You know, they would challenge me, you know, and I'd be like, oh, well, well, come through, you know what I mean? Come through. Like, no, we're not going to do this here. Come, come through. You know, let's put some gloves on and, you know, if you knock me out, you knock me out. It, it, it is what it is. <laughs> you know? And fortunately, you know, uh, I, I was never defeated, uh, you know, so, um, and I was then, you know, now I might be a little different, you know, I don't move as, I don't move as fast <laughs> as I used to, but, um, yeah, so you know, I, I had I had some love there, right? So, I guess the the individual is seeing one. I'm not moving, and you know, this is probably not going to turn out the way he's he's expecting. I'm holding back my student, and he's not, you know, he's being a little aggressive, but I'm holding him in a way to make it clear, like if you leap forward, I'm going to hurt you. And he knows me well enough to know that. Like, I'm not just going to be holding you and pleading for you to stop. If you leap beyond my guard, I'm going to hurt you. So I'm going to end up, two people are going to get hurt today. You and this other individual. You know, so he kind of already knows, yeah, out of respect, don't do that. Right? So eventually, you know, when other people start to kind of close in and they're saying at that time they you know they, they, they're saying you know brother Haru like what's you good you good and he's and he's you good from all these different angles <laughs> this side of the block that side of the block and then I don't want to say his name but another you know um young man who at that time I think he was expelled he used to he lived uh across the street and he rolls up his window he's yelling out his way yo you good 
yo, I'm coming right there. I'm coming down. <laughs> you know. So he's hearing all of this and it's like, you know what? Maybe this is not the place. So, you know, he eventually retreats, allowing me an opportunity to build and, and deal with, with my student, you know. Now, at that time, which um, I saw out of the corner of my eye, my student had his hand in his pocket, right? So I knew he had a weapon, right? So I'm saying, listen, you know, we're going to talk, but I don't want, I, I know he's, he's wiry. He's, you know, he, he's, he's a warrior. He's not, he's not afraid, you know? So I'm like, he's going to, I know what he's going to do. He's got this weapon in his hand. As this guy is retreating, once things calm down, he's going to run down the block and, and he's going to rip him apart, you know? Or at least attempt to. So I'm saying his name, and I and I'm saying you know give me give me what's in your pocket. I know you got something in your pocket. Give me what's in your pocket. And he's like frozen. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to give it up. I know you. You're probably saying, what does this have to do with hoarding? Just go for the ride. Just go for the ride. <laughs> so um, we're there for like an hour, just he and I. You know, I took him for for a walk to the track. I was like, "Come on, man!" You know, we went and sat on the bleachers, and um, you know, we just we're just talking, you know. And um, actually, no, we we stopped at the there was a there was a we stopped at the store first, and we got some drinks. <laughs> so we then we went to then we went to the bleachers. Let me let me tell it right, you know. So. I'm I'm sipping on on my my um ginger beer and I don't know what he got, but um so you know we on the bleachers we talking you know not necessarily about what happened but the fact that he's not giving me what's in his pocket, right? And I know what it is. Now this is actually a mini form of hoarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was bring I was bringing it back for you. Because what's happening here in this moment, because of his own trauma, right? Because he's got he's got an adult male who's technically old enough to be his father. Technically. He's old enough. Because some of my youth at that time, they had they were 15, 16 years old and, and had children, you know. So this individual is technically old enough to be his father and is coming to the school to do Ron knows what to him, you know. Um... But didn't know, like he kept saying, you know, he, he, he's like, "Yo, Ross." At that time, that's when I had my locks. And he's like, "Ross, Ross, it's not about. I don't have a problem with you, Ross." And I'm, you know, so he, I guess he thought he was, you know, facing something different. It was going to be an easy slice through, you know. Um, but like I used to always have to tell people, don't let this dashiki fool you. <laughs> don't let the dashiki. You know, I used to always come back home with rips and tears in my dashikis and have to tell the sister, hey, I got another one for you to repair. Because I, I will, <laughs> I will manhandle you with the dashiki on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, um, all fun and games aside. Because, you know, you can look back now at those moments and laugh. But, um, you know, so we're sitting and we're building and, and the hoarding aspect because trauma is what causes hoarding. You see, so he's got this adult male seeking to do his to do him harm, right? And the reality of it is, is that it probably has happened before, you know. And even if it wasn't an adult male, someone has caused him harm before. So in his mind, he's saying, "Not again! I'm not going to let this happen again." 
and I'm going to and I'm going to hold on to whatever I need to hold on to so that I so that I do I do not feel this pain or loss ever again. You see. Now that is this the quintessential basis for hoarding. Someone has felt some form of loss and what they begin to do is they they gather things that are needed or not needed to insulate themselves from the shock or the pain of that loss again right now eventually he put in my hand what was in his hand and of course it was it was a weapon i knew it was a weapon you know what i mean and he gave it to me when he was able to calm down because even with me going in and you hear them dogs that's a good sign. I mean, we talking truth when you hear those alarms like that. You know, that's that's Anubis, that's Anpoo from the underworld. Mm, which reminds me, I need to I need to reach out to this. I haven't spoken to him in years. Let me make sure he's still alive. I'm getting these, yeah, getting these these, these cues from from Anpoo. He may be in the underworld, especially the way he was living. But anyway, so. It's that pain of loss, so he uses the weapon as a form to extend a weight and out of him to insulate. So even with us sitting and, and you know, he knows me well, man. You know, we joke and laugh. He sit in my office. We talk after school for hours. Now, most youth, after school, they they hitting the door. They're running. They're flying to go get into whatever they're getting into. And he used to just like to build with me. He liked how it, I, I could tell he liked how it dignified him. And I would treat him with dignity. And how it made him feel like he's more than than a crack baby. He's more than than a gang banger, you know. Um, and I'm and I'm saying specifically a gang banger and not just a gang member. You know, he was active. So, um, even with all of that, all of that history and relationship, it took an hour before he would actually give me his weapon took an hour which i gave back to him eventually but it took an hour because that that traumatization and that shock is so strong that what happens is that even when you're when you don't need the thing that you're holding on to you keep it anyway which is the essence of hoarding right because i can't feel this pain again i can't feel this hurt but see what happens is the things that they begin to collect and hold on to the insulate themselves with eventually become the things that lock and close them in. You see, so the the protection eventually becomes a prison. You see, and, you know, health hazards. I mean, I mean you know, you look at someone who hoards and they start to remove things and there's, there's dead mice and vermin and roaches and and all kind of things that come as a result of, of holding things for too long and not being able to. All right. So, you know, I take another pause. We got a lot going on. It's, it's actually early right now. So around this time, um, you know, got a lot of little check ins and things that are happening. But but anyway, like I was saying, is that what the protection eventually becomes the prison, the insulation becomes isolation. You see, and all of the things that are held around an individual who are ho- who's hoarding are held because they're trying to either recapture something that was lost or they're trying to prevent um, that feeling and that sensation of loss that they experienced before. Sometimes a person will hold on to something 
you know, to the naked eye that seems unnecessary because it brings them back to a place in their life where things were in, in their mind better, or maybe they just were better. You know, if you were, let's say, um, an immigrant and let's say, you know, and the country where you lived before, there was a level of, of family connectivity. There was peace. There was, you know, you felt more love. You felt a warmer spirit. And then, and then you, leave and go to another com- country where you no longer feel that closeness you no longer feel that warmth there may be certain things that you hold on to it could be a set of dishes it could be an old radio or old tv something that maybe the family used or sat around at that time that represents that level of family unity that once was there that you kind of know that you'll never have again but you you keep these things so that way you so when you will have it again so it's like well i'm gonna keep the radio because you know um when family comes over we can all sit around and listen to the radio now now who does that this is in 1952 you know right but in that person's mind who's experienced that level of loss they're still holding on not only to that memory of that experience but to the hope that that experience can and will happen again you see, th- those are examples of that, you know, or sometimes someone may hold on to something that is owned by someone else because, you know, like it, it may be a something that uh, a child has. Let's say your child goes away to college and they leave their bicycle, you know, and you say, OK, well, you know, whenever you come back, I'll have the bicycle here for you and you can ride your bike or whatever. And as the child matures and grows you know, maybe that they don't really ride bikes anymore. Maybe they now they they have a car, but you still maintain the bike because it's your way of not only holding on to a piece of them, but dealing with with the loss by kind of mitigating it a bit and saying, well, they're not totally gone, and and I can maintain this idea that when they come back, they can ride this bike. I mean, you have that phenomenon with with so many parents whose children go off to war and don't come back and they have difficulty accepting that they're never going to come back they're still waiting for their children to come back from desert storm you you know um so just just to give an example right so sometimes that hoarding is is a is a is a an effort to hold on to something that will never be reclaimed or regained again and and the mind is unable to deal with that reality right so it becomes a an obsessive compulsive disorder and a lot of times hoarders are not necessarily creating environments where um this 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 navigational hazards you know where well we can't walk into the bedroom can't walk down into the basement it's just too much stuff sometimes they will actually organize the items and they will be tidy they will be labeled but again they'll be unnecessary to have in that space and and you know my ultimate call and reason for doing this segment is to maybe and help you to inject a portion and a serving of compassion uh towards those of you who you may know who have decided to um abscond all of these different things and and retain all of these broken items or no longer needed items in their life and and I know as family members it can be very frustrating 
and you want to just say, why don't you just throw this out and just throw that out? And you don't realize that you're, you're saying, why don't you just erase this memory, erase that memory, get over this trauma, get over that trauma. That's truly what you're saying to the person. And that's why they respond oftentimes, you know, with such hostility. You know, when you try to throw out grandma's old teapot, you know, and, and your mother, your father goes berserk or or those Hawaiian knives that have been hanging on the, the kitchen, you know, um, the kitchen wall forever that no one's going to stare anything with. You know, we're not going to have a luau, you know, but um, these things remind people of another time and, and they're not they're not so quick to release that and to let that go. So sometimes we have to have a little bit more compassion and deal with, like, I, I know even with that segment I mentioned, the show, I, if I'm not mistaken, there are therapists who come and actually speak to the people and try to coach and talk them through, you know, repairing their situation because it's an internal healing that has to happen first when you're dealing with the hoarder. You got to first to try to discover where the trauma hit. And it may have going back again, like I said, to teenage years. To childhood where maybe there was something that they never had. They always felt impoverished. And just like the young man who I had to work with that day, when his mind is never again, I'm never letting someone hurt me again. So I'm going to have this weapon on me even beyond the point that I don't need it. Because now I'm talking to Brother Haru. Brother Haru's not going to hurt me, you know, or at least he's not going to hurt me beyond the point that, you know, it, where it's malicious and it's, and it's, and it's not loving. But still, I don't want to, I don't want to, and it's not like I'm going to get in trouble. He, he's fine with us having weapons, you know, because, well, whatever. But that's Brother Root, right? So it's not, it's not that I'm going to get in trouble or anything like that. But I, to, for me to let go of this knife means I have to confront and to some portion let go of the reality of the trauma that's occurred in my life. Not ready to do that. Just not ready to do that. You see? So, these are all just examples, you know, that I'm providing for you. These are all just examples of um, some of the reasons why people may have a lot of stuff and we can't understand it. You know, um, great film that kind of deals with the relinquishing and, and the letting go and the, the, the freeing and the liberating of all the stuff is into the wild. You know, um, it was a book actually, and I had read the book, and then um, there was a film that came out, and, and I, I really enjoyed the film. You know, um, if you haven't seen Into the Wild, you probably can catch it like any streaming service at this point. Um, it's a little older now, but um, great film. You know, it's a great film, but it kind of deals with that. You know, kind of minimalizing life a bit, and not only letting go as a result of trauma. Um, the reverse, you know, as opposed to, to taking everything in, letting go of things as a result of trauma, not only letting go of physical items, but even one's name, one's way of life, one's achievements and accomplishments. Right. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, to share that, you know, in this particular uh, episode. I don't know what number this is because I like I said, I haven't broadcasted since I think October, November of 2018. And we're now in July of 2019, you know, but things come forth when they come forth, when they should come forth. <laughs> but, you know, always make sure that you're that you're following all of the show's social media outlets, because, uh, for instance, um, I was in the UK recently and I had posted on my Facebook wall that I'll be in the UK. If anybody wants to link up, 
I, this is where I'll be. And of course, once I come back, everybody, were you in the UK? What? I didn't know you were out here. Can I, can I meet with you? I want to do a session with me. You see, and I always say, follow the social media outlets and you'll know what's going on. You know, sometimes they're a little bit more reliable, even in the websites. You know, websites go down, but social media doesn't go down too often, you know. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, just, you know, stay plugged in, stay tuned in. And willfully, this this uh, assisted you a bit, you know, in terms of um, maybe dealing with th- someone you may know who may be a pack rat. And a pack rat eventually evolves into a hoarder. You know, so maybe it helped you to deal with someone who has that that particular compulsion and for you to understand that, you know, where it comes from and and why it's occurring. And it's not just a person that's being materialistic, but in fact, they're truly trying to protect themselves from something. And this is how they see themselves protecting themselves from something, you know, um, or, or trying to hold on to something that they're having trouble with. You know, um, or that they're having trouble with holding on to a person, holding on to a moment in time, you know, holding on to a certain experience and this manifests itself as them holding on to stuff as we see it. But sometimes you need to ask them the story behind what it is they're holding on to. You know, why is it that you you still have this sweater? You know, we live in weather that never dips below 75 degrees, which you, you have all these wool sweaters. What is that about? You know, or, or this or that or that, or you still have this old TV. We don't even use those anymore, let alone watch TV, you know. So why is it, you know, find out the story behind it, why a person is doing what they're doing. That, that will help you immensely in helping them. All right. This is Chief Yuya and I'm signing out. Make sure you follow the YouTube channel. Make sure you comment and subscribe to these podcasts and i will be having uh another uh orisha podcast coming forth soon you know i'm gonna start doing them a little bit more as i'm moving around um consistently every strong maybe maybe not we'll see we'll see who comes in to assist you know if we had some more assist on the actual podcast and whatnot, then they could be more consistent because uh, maybe someone else's spirit would say, I know you're not going to do it this strong, but um, I feel to. So I'm going to do a segment. So we'll see who steps up. Mm-hmm. All right. Everyone, enjoy your day and be well. Peace.